Beginning in verse 12, the Spirit of God says through Paul, as the body is one and has how many members? Many members. But all the members of that one body being many are one body. Now listen to this. So also is Christ. That's a big revelation right there, church. He's talking about our natural body, our our physical human body. And he's saying this body that God has given us is an outward image of the body of Christ. In the same way, this human body is just one body, yet it's made up of many members. The same thing's true about the body of Christ. He said in verse 13, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but how many? Many. I want you to notice how many times he says this over and over. One body, many members. Many members, one body. Skip down to verse 18. And he says, now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. He's still talking about your natural human body. There is a reason your hand is where it is. There is a reason your feet are where they are. There is a reason your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth are located where they are. It is not because of the evolutionary demands placed upon this being that emerged out of the goo and has evolved over time. No. The reason these parts, these members, are in the place where they are is for one reason. It pleased God to put them there. He's still talking about your natural, physical human body. There's a reason that your hand is where it is and not somewhere else in the body. It's because it pleased God to put it right there. It pleased God to put it there. Again, verse 18, God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. He said, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, verse 20, there are, say it with me, many members, yet one body. That's the name of this series that we're in. Many members, one body. And of course, we know he's talking not just about the the physical human body, He's talking about the body of Christ, the global body of Christ that you and I are a part of. But this word applies just as much to this local body. And I believe at the direction of the Lord, it is our word coming into this year and beyond. It's a declaration of faith of who we are. We are many members, one body. And every word of that is important. It would be a great thing, I suppose. Oh, look, if we're many members, well, I mean, what if this room was full and overflowing and we're in two services and three services and we think, well, isn't that wonderful? Look at all the many members. It's good, but only if the many members are one body. It doesn't matter if all we are is a room full of body parts. We could have 5,000, 10,000 people in church, but if all we are is a room full of parts not operating as one body, we are no good to the kingdom of God and we are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. It's when we become many members acting, thinking, talking, walking like one body, that's when we become useful in the kingdom of God. 
that's when we become a huge threat to the kingdom of darkness. And you don't have to be 5,000 to scare Satan. You know how many you can be to just absolutely scare Satan, fill him so full of fear? Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. That's two or three in agreement, acting like one. Many members, one body. Now these bodies that God has given us, and I'm going to talk again about these, these natural, physical, human bodies. That one that you have that's sitting right there where you are, it's amazing. You should say thank you. Well, I'm not talking specifically just about your, but I mean the human body in general. This, this is an amazing piece of machinery. And I know as time goes by, we sort of develop this love-hate relationship with it. Maybe it doesn't feel like it used to. Maybe it doesn't look the way you want it to look. But forget all that. This thing that you and I walk around in every day of our lives is a gift from God. And it is a marvel. And yes, medical science knows perhaps more about it today than they ever have. And yet, there are still things men and women don't understand. There are still things they can't comprehend about this body because it is such, it is such a work of God. The Bible says you were knit together in your mother's womb. The Bible says you and I were fearfully and wonderfully made. This body is an amazing piece of machinery. And I'll tell you this, and you know it to be true. There is nothing like feeling good. Oh, come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Especially if you've spent two, three days a week, maybe even longer, and you just hadn't felt good. You felt crummy. Whatever was going around got on you, and you've just been dragging around, and and, and, and you've just been achy and had pains in your body and it felt like your sinuses were full of cement. And, and when all of that goes away and you wake up and you can breathe through like both holes again, <laughs> I know it's a little thing, but somebody help me out. It feels so good to feel good. Am I telling the truth or what? I've been there, you've been there, every one of us have. This is why so many deals have been struck with God on the bed of sickness. God, take this away from me. If you just take this cold away, I swear I'll never do it again. I swear I'll, 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 I'll go to Africa. I just want to breathe. But people foolishly do that, realizing, hey, healing belongs to you, man. You don't got to strike any other deals with God. God and Jesus have made a deal. It belongs to you. Thank you, Lord. But it doesn't change the fact that it feels so good to feel good. When this body is feeling good and it's, and it's mobile and it's loose. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you, you get up and you walk without pain. And you, you can even run a little bit and not regret it for a week on end. And you can, like I said, you can breathe. And, and it's good, right? It's a good thing when this body's feeling good. Being mobile is good. You not don't want to... Be all stiff all the time. You, you want stuff moving around, right? I was thinking about this, though, but if you think about it, the Scripture is using these natural bodies to paint a very clear picture of the body of Christ, which means if there's something going on in this body, 
it wouldn't be hard to draw a parallel to something that could be going on in the body of Christ. This is what I've been meditating on, honestly, for weeks and weeks, going back to the beginning of this series. And I finally feel like today we're up to a place where we can dig into it a little bit. As good as it is to, to be free, where everything moves freely, you know what I mean? Without pain, without stiffness. Really, there's only so much freedom you want. What do I mean? You, you want the arms and the legs to be able to move, but only so much. Are you with me? You don't want to be out for a jog one day and look down and you're down to one leg. Why? Because this other one's so free. Well, that's not freedom. We want it mobile. We want it able to move, but we still want it in its place. You understand what I'm saying? And there is actually a condition, and I wasn't aware of it till a little later on in life. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Hypermobility? I didn't know a thing in the world about that when I was a kid. All I knew was I could do some stuff with my hands and bones and joints that other kids couldn't do. And for a long time, it was really cool. It was really neat. And the girls were really impressed. Until like junior high, and then it just grossed them out. But I, I remember being a kid, maybe middle elementary, and I started, can you guys zoom in on my hands? I started, get in here tight. Come on. We're going to get real. Is that as tight as you can get? I started figuring out I could do all this with my hands. I, I figured out these things would bend and twist in ways that probably weren't good, but man, it was so cool as a kid. I figured out like all these twisty. And one day I figured out my fingers bend more. Like I could shake somebody's hand with my left hand. Isn't that awesome? One day, I think I was probably eight years old, and I was, just keep it right there, I was standing in the mirror, and I figured out my shoulder blades would stick way out if I just moved my arms in certain ways, which was so cool because I could get down on my hands and knees, and I called it my tiger walk. And I looked like a tiger. See, I'm 43, still doing this stuff. And it wasn't until later on I figured out you're not supposed to be able to tie your fingers in knots. It's called hypermobility. And after a little bit of study on this, even going through junior high, high school, playing sports and stuff, kids would make fun of me because I was playing soccer, I'd play basketball, and when I would run, my knees would fall in. And people are like, why are your knees do? I look like I was running like this. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but it hurt, man. I, I ended up, like, my senior year, I was in physical therapy, trying to get my knees feeling better. It's like, why do they just fall in? And years later, I figure out it's this hypermobility thing. Whereas most people have, what, I don't know if it's stronger tendons or muscles or whatever, or they develop more naturally or something, but it's not keeping everything in its right place. And praise God, I never had any big injuries or anything like that. But after looking at it, I learned that, this hypermobility 
you can actually have like a syndrome, they call it, hypermobility syndrome. And what it results in, it can result in pain. And that's what I was dealing with as a kid. Even now, yesterday I was sitting in my office, I was thinking, can I still do this stuff? And I started to do it, I was like, oh yeah, I can. And the rest of the day I was like, ah, that hurt. It results in pain. It results in fatigue of the joints and kind of a restlessness. You want to know one of the big things that this hypermobility results in? Dislocation. Dislocation. Why on earth am I talking to you about this? Because these bodies are the natural picture of the body of Christ. And whatever can go on in this body, it can go on in that body. I think the body of Christ has suffered from some hypermobility. Things moving around too easily. Parts being in places they weren't put. And the result of that, and we see this in the body of Christ, and as I've prayed about it, this is just my thought and maybe my opinion. But I think if there's anything the body of Christ at large suffers from, it's the pain of dislocation. The pain of dislocation. The last time we talked about this together, we were talking about divine connections. You remember that? It's been several weeks ago, but divine connections. And like the scripture said, it pleases God to put you in the body, in a particular place. And what Sarah and I have devoted our lives to as the pastors of this church this year and beyond is helping you, doing everything we can to help every member of this family find your place. Find where God is pleased to put you. But one of the things you discover about the human body, about the body of Christ, is it doesn't just please God to put you in a place and have you doing a job there. There's something else about it. If, it, if he put you in a place and he put somebody else in their place, and their place is right next to your place, connected by a joint, then evidently what pleases God is not just you and your place and them and theirs, but the connection. He's pleased by these connections when this part is connected to that part. This is what so thrills him. But what is a dislocation? It's when one part is separated from another. It's out of its place. It's dislocated. It's in some other place where it's not supposed to be. And we talked about these divine connections. What are those? Those are the people that God has seen fit to bring into our lives. And he's brought them into our lives with divine purpose, to serve a, a, a purpose and a reason. And it so pleases him when these connections are made. But if you remember several weeks ago where we left off, these divine connections require divine protection. Why? Why is it so important that these connections be protected? Well, what we left off with is when you realize what these divine connections produce, 
then you begin to understand why our enemy is so determined to get between us and the ones we're connected to, to cause a dislocation. And remember, we looked at this out of the book of 1 Samuel, just after David had slung a stone at Goliath's head and dropped him to the ground and cut his head off, and he came running back to Saul, King Saul, and he's standing there telling Saul all about it, and Saul's son Jonathan is there, and the Bible said, when David was done talking, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. That's a divine connection. And if you keep reading about it, as the result of that divine connection, David and Jonathan entered into a covenant of friendship together. It was a covenant of kindness. And not just niceness, but kindness. The kindness, compassion, and mercy of God was between them. This is a divine connection. And what that divine connection did for David, he went from being a shepherd and he got brought into the king's house. And he was made, as a result of that covenant, a son of the king and elevated to a high level, given a place in the kingdom, given a place in the army. And that's what a divine connection will do for you. A divine connection will elevate you. They don't bring you down. These God connections in our lives, how do we know if this relationship I'm in or this person I'm associated with or this church I go to is a divine connection in my life? What's it doing? What's it doing for you? Is it elevating you? Is it lifting you up? Is it bringing you up? If it is, that's a good indicator. This is a divine connection. And guys, there's some people I have had to, not very many, but over the course of years, I realized Certain individuals would call me on the phone and we'd be on the phone for hours. And when we hung up, I felt exhausted. And I didn't even say anything. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and complain and gripe and it's down and it's depressing. And then it's like, well, gotta go. See you later. And I hung up and I'm like, Lord, help me. That was exhausting. I've had to make some decisions not to give my time, which is precious, and my energy, which is limited, to a connection that's not lifting me up. Divine connections will lift you up. So why on earth would Satan be so determined to separate you and dislocate you from these divine connections? Because he knows that's what it does for you. He knows that's what it does for you. Let me tell you what else a divine connection will do for you. A divine connection will not only elevate you, but a divine connection will connect you to the head, which is Jesus. You don't have to turn there, but look at this scripture. We'll put it on the screen for you. In, in uh, Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 18, do we have that? Colossians 2, 18. He said, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, listen to this, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. 
He's saying, do not let anybody into your life that will cause you to disconnect from the head. And who's the head? You're not, I'm not. We're parts. There's only one head. Jesus is the head. And a divine connection, a God connection in your life will connect you to the head. And this scripture is a warning saying, do not let anybody cheat you out of your reward. Because what people want to do is get their way, worm their way into your lives. And he said, one of the things they do is they're not holding on to the head. They're not holding on to the head. And then he said, it's from the head that the whole body grows out of these joints and these ligaments that are knit together. A divine connection will keep you connected to the head. Do you remember we talked about this? This is, it kind of paints a weird picture. But the pinky toe on my right foot is connected to my head. And you're looking at my head going, no, it's not. No, it is. As a matter of fact, every part of this physical body is connected to my head. But it's connected through other parts, other bones, other joints, muscles, ligaments. That pinky toe is connected to my head, but it's connected to my head through that joint, and that joint's connected to the rest of my foot, and that part of my foot's connected to my ankle, and that ankle's connected to this part of my leg, and that's connected to my knee, and that's connected up here all the way to the hip, and, and then that's connected by my spine, up my spine and my shoulders, all the way to the head. My toe is connected to my head through a bunch of other parts, but it's connected. All of those parts are those divine connections. How do you know if somebody in your life is a God connection, a divine connection? Do they keep you connected to the head? And when you realize this, you start to realize some stuff that people say is just made up. People are always like, well, you know, I'm, I'm good with God. It's church I don't like. That's why I, I commune with God out in nature, just me and him. I get close to God that way. I don't, I don't go in for all that traditional religion, organized religion. I, I connect better with God on my own. No, you don't. You don't. That would be like the toe saying, I don't want the connection to the foot. I don't want the connection to the ankle or to the knee or to the hip or to the spine. I want direct access to the head. So that would be like the toe somehow detaching itself and putting itself <laughs> right here. Well, why isn't it that way? It doesn't please God. It does not please God to put that part right here. What pleases God is to put that part next to that one and next to that one and next to the other one. That's what pleases him. You are not closer to God on your own. Actually, there are whole parts of God you're missing entirely because a divine connection will connect you to the head. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. 
From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.